Hello everyone, welcome back to my podcast, No Band-Aid Necessary, and this is episode four. Thank you so much for tuning in, and during this episode, our special guest is Jocelyn Clark. Hey guys. So Jocelyn is actually my sister, if you didn't catch that, Um, and today we will be talking about being biracial, which is something we both know very well. Um, And within that, we're going to be talking about our own personal experiences when it comes to like identity and how we navigated that, but also talking a little bit on how other people treated us growing up or even to this day and how um, we have navigated through the world um, when it comes into like terms of other people surrounding us. Um, But a disclaimer I do want to note is that we will only be talking about our own personal experiences. Um, And when it comes to that, we are half German and half Salvadorian. So in other words, we're half white and half Hispanic. So of course, being biracial, there's so many different races, ethnicities, nationalities that you can be. Um, So everyone's experience is so different, even though we are lumped into this one category. Um, So I do want to note that, that we are only speaking on our personal experiences, being half German and half Salvadorian. Um, So the first section that we're going to talk about is our experiences with our personal selves. Um, And Jocelyn, do you want to start with your thoughts on that? Yeah, so for my experience of self, I think um, how it started out was really just with like an identity crisis. And so uh, partly scary, but partly not. I don't know. It starts at a young age because in our home, we didn't talk about being biracial. It was just kind of like we are what we are. I don't know. Kind of was like the norm. Like you didn't have to... We just didn't talk about it. So the first experience is in elementary school when you're like, okay, I'm not like everybody else. Um, And also we're little, so we're not really talking about these things. So um, it wasn't delved into. It wasn't really mentioned. But then in middle school is when I started to have a bigger realization of it. Um, Because in elementary school, it was pretty diverse. Like there were kids who didn't look like me and you know, just, like, a whole big mix, and it was really nice and awesome way to, like, start off, but middle school was when a lot of the population just became white, and so I had to see myself in a different way because people started seeing me in a different way, Um, and so people got to pick who I was. They'd say, oh, you look Hispanic to me, so you're Hispanic, or you look white to me, so you're white, or, you know, the age-old, you talk white, so you are white, um, and so, and we all know that's just the nice, the, the mean way of kind of saying, like, you speak intelligently, you have, you use eloquent words, like, so you talk white, like, that's just, I think not that, a thing, a thing that needs to be thing. erased, <laughs> but that is how people would explain it to me. Um, and so, and so, yeah, so I think in middle school is when I started realizing that, uh, the group of Hispanic kids didn't see me as Hispanic enough, and then the group of white kids, while I I started leaning more that way, um, I just couldn't, well, I couldn't, like, be a part of that group fully. Like, they didn't understand me. I didn't relate to them in every way. Um, And it was just, it just was the starting to feel that you didn't belong anywhere, that you're two halves, you know, half Hispanic, half white, not full anything. And so you're like, okay, so if I'm not full anything, where do I belong? And so you start having to, like, just work this through, like, with yourself and start realizing, 
okay, I'm not two halves. I am a whole person. And the truth of the matter is that I'm two wholes. I'm my mom and my dad. And so I get two awesome roots that not many people have. It's really awesome when you have one root. I think that's really awesome too. Um, and just completely immersed in one culture. But I think it's extra special that I get two. Um, and <laughs> get like, the. I think the best of both worlds. And it just becomes a matter of another step in life where you say, what people think of me isn't what matters. It's what I think of myself and, um, in my personal view, what God thinks of me. And so I think that is where um, the experience of being biracial began. And then also when kind of kind of coming to terms with it and saying, like, this is me and that's that's how it's going to be. Yeah. So jumping off of that, when it comes to like my own personal experiences of identity and like growing up, um, I remember from a very young age noticing that my biological parents, they just both didn't look like me. Of course, I have features of both of them within me, but neither one of them looked like me. Like my skin tone didn't match one or the other. Of course, it was a mix. Um, And I didn't see it as a problem, but as I grew older, I noticed that neither of them could understand what I was going through, um, being biracial. They couldn't understand how that was a bit difficult for me. Um, It was confusing. It definitely was something that was pushed under the rug that I just dismissed, was like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's fine. Um, In my school circumstances, a lot of the population were white folks. So I found myself immersed in that, and I kind of just ran with it, Um, finding myself just basically identifying as white, not even regarding this whole other side of me um, because of the community I was a part of and how they viewed me. Um, And that's just kind of how it was for a long period of time, and I pretended that I was okay with it. I tried to just, you know accept it and be like oh like it's fine like this this is working for me um and then not only having parents that can't really understand where you're coming from I have a sister Jocelyn we it's just us just us two um so one would think oh like she knows what I'm going through we both are biracial we both come from the same household like one would think that we would have very similar experiences one would think that we are battling with the same things Um, but even in that we look different she happens to be a bit darker I happen to pass more for white Um, and of course that depends on people's perspectives of how they view you but just from the norm of what I've experienced a lot of people simply just view me as white so even though we both are biracial we both are from the same parents we were both experiencing different things I know I was dealing with a lot of um, anger honestly anger that people would not see me for what I was that they just saw me as what like the skin color that I had was very white so they would just see me as a white person um and I remember at first just oh yeah I'll accept it you know that's fine this community that I'm in at school like I it works for me currently so I'll just I'll you know go along with it um but the older I got the more that I realized that this was a problem for me I didn't like this I felt like I was hiding aspects of myself. I was um, 
hiding this part of me that I wished I didn't have to and I wished people could see without me having to tell them without me having to basically advocate for myself and be like no actually I'm biracial this is where I'm from feeling like I had to justify myself and even when I do even when I did people still wouldn't validate me they wouldn't be like oh like cool like I hear you I got a lot of nah but you're still white you're still white to me like what Jocelyn was talking about you talk white you dress white you act white like this stereotypical culture of what white is and I fell into it because at a young age that's what I saw was the norm in my culture and of course young children most of us want to fit in so that's what I clung to so even when I did express myself through words telling them no this is what I am please respect me a lot of the time I did not get that respect that I was looking for um so on that personal level of self-identity that was very difficult for me and like I was talking about before having two parents that are not biracial this is something that they couldn't really you know understand or I assumed wouldn't be able to help me so I never reached out um because I then again also didn't see it as that big of an issue I decided to you know oh this is fine like it's whatever at least like nothing bad is happening nobody's hurting me like it's fine just brush it off you're cool you know but as you get older you realize that that does do a lot of emotional damage it does do a lot of damage to your self-identity growing up and it took me a long time to get to the point where I am now where I'm very comfortable with who I am and even now it's still a work in progress with feeling like I can identify with both of my cultures and feeling appreciated and accepted in both realms um but that's just a little like portion of how my self-identity was growing up and getting to this point and then now I'm going to talk about um just kind of experiences um specifically of what others kind of put on me and then Jessica's going to share for herself but I think the common thing that all biracial people can relate to or multiracial people can relate to is someone asking you like what are you it's like well I mean I'm a human being but thank you um but one I mean there's many moments in that I can think of where this has happened to me but one in particular is um when I was working one day an older gentleman came up to me and mentioned that I and I'm like 17 at the time so very weird um scary so what happened is um he just said like oh you look very exotic where are you like what are you and you know when you're working you're like I'm supposed to be polite I'm supposed to be um respectful all those different things but that just that kind of question just makes you want to like kind of like curl up in a ball and like disappear because first there's a lot of um weird older man to younger girl uh situation going on right but also I just didn't really want to be questioned by anybody about something that I couldn't control you know um you just kind of expect someone to respect you or to just um not care about the physical like that those things shouldn't matter it's what's on the inside that counts and so um anytime you get a question like that 
it's just a little off-putting, especially when it's a stranger. I think friends can come around and, like, you hang out for a bit, and it's like, oh, yeah, this is just a talking point. Like, your mom looks like this, your dad looks like this. I'm curious, like, what's your history? Like, what's your ethnicity? What's your culture? What was it like growing up? What foods you eat? All these different things is just nice to talk about. But when it's a stranger and they're going to just turn around and leave the next second, like, what did they really gain? Why are they asking? Like, what what do you want from me? Like, I don't know what they want. Um, there's this funny thing that I thought of the most recent time someone asked me what I was and it was a stranger. And I, to myself, I thought, why do you want, <laughs> like, here are my two ethnicities, take it down on your little notepad and then you're going to go mix it up in the lab so you can have someone that looks like me. I'm not really sure what the gaining point is, um, but I do think it's really weird. Um, Of course, if it's coming from just like pure curiosity, I don't mind, but I think it's just kind of um, a question that people ask when they really value the physical, and that shouldn't be where our heads are at, I don't think. I think that people should be more interested on what's on the inside, where your heart's at, Um, your spiritual mindset what's going on just on the inside because that's what really counts it's like we're just given this shell this little tent that we're walking around in we can't control it except for eating vegetables eat vegetables guys (laughs) but other than that you can control a lot of what's on the inside so I think that's what we should all be focusing on Um, but right those questions just starts to make you feel a bit insecure and like I don't know why strangers are questioning me um because no one asked my friend Julia next door like no one no one asked her that um it's just kind of also interesting how people feel entitled to ask questions like that um so it's just a lot of a lot of um uncomfortableness I think arises from situations like that where it's like it's never been necessary and but it still happens so I think it's just something that makes you feel like you're not um I don't know you're just not normal and then that people get to comment on it which you know originally everyone's like yeah I want to fit in I don't want to stick out and so when people start pointing out that you stick out in weird ways (laughs) you're like would you quit it (laughs) So that is what I wanted to share. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then kind of bouncing back to what I was mentioning before, how when I was growing up, um, the culture that I was a part of in in the school system that I was a part of was very white. So just immersing myself into that and just, you know, accepting it, that carried on into high school. Um, And I didn't really take the time to really think about how I identified and um, when it came to my like culture, when it came to my um, parents until I got to college. And that's when I kind of, you know, took the time to think about it. I was like, interesting. I actually don't like how I only identify as white. I know personally, I poke a lot of fun um, at things that I... I'm upset about like I tried to make light of situations so I would always joke about how I am white or how one dresses white or speaks white and all that nonsense um I would use it as a disguise when really on the inside I was upset I was upset that this is how the world only saw me um 
and I took it. I took it and I accepted it. I didn't fight back for a long time. Um, and I just decided, okay, this is how everybody sees me, so I guess this is who I am. Um, but then as I got older, I was like, no, that is not the case. I don't have to accept what people are assuming of me. I am who I am, and that's what it is. People should respect me. People should understand that and go about their day. They shouldn't, you know, question me in awe. What? There's no way. I don't believe you. Let me see a picture of your parents. Like, that one definitely got me, the I don't believe you, um... I find it a bit unnecessary and honestly it comes down to being hurtful um but I definitely did a lot of you know soul searching and trying to really understand how I felt about my own identity and what I was comfortable with and how I dug myself into this hole that I kind of was pushed into (laughs) by the society which you know we're we're able to you know, dig ourselves out of that situation when we can, but that definitely took a long time for me. It definitely came about much later in my years, um, and I wish it didn't. I wish this was something that was brought to my attention at a young age. I wish that I understood that um, being biracial is good, and that it's okay, and that I don't have to pick a side. There's always this weird idea that if you are two things you lean towards one more than the other um and I don't think that's should that shouldn't be a thing that shouldn't be a thing I shouldn't have to pick I shouldn't have to lean towards one side okay sure maybe I look a little bit more one way than the other but that doesn't mean that now I am just lumped into that community solely why are we just disregarding a whole half of me why are we dismissing one of my parents, you know? Um, So I think that's where my conclusion came, was that when I was just identifying as white, I was just dismissing a whole side of me, a whole side of uh, my parents, Um, one of my own parents. I literally was just like, whatever, it doesn't matter that you have this whole culture, this whole, like beautiful world that really is just so amazing and I just didn't want any part of it because I was told that I don't belong um, by people that weren't really a part of that group anyways so a whole lot of nonsense went on but yeah so I just wanted to speak on how it is a life journey and um, I wish it happened sooner for me personally I wish it happened sooner I wish that it was normalized when I was growing up and that it was spoken about. I do understand growing up in this household, it was just the norm. It's just what it is, you know? But at the same time, when we leave this house, it's different. We are treated differently. We see things differently. Um, We see how people treat our parents differently than they treat us. Um, Maybe that's because I pass for white and my mother doesn't. And in those situations, it's very enraging just to witness that. Um, But never talking about it is a problem. Talking about it needs to be done. And I think it needs to be done at a young age so that um, they can gain understanding and they can gain, honestly, a lot of self-worth and a lot of respect for themselves. Because I wish that 
at a young age, I had, I had, um, enough respect for myself and enough, um, enough, not pride. That's not the word I'm looking for, but basically just enough self-love to stand up for myself and be like, no, this is who I am. I know who I am. Um, I talked about it at home and I figured it out. So here's what I figured out. You can stop trying to put me into this label, into this box that you think I'm a part of. That's all right. Keep your nonsense. I think the word is pride. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not always bad. But, yeah, keep your boxes. I don't want them because this is who I am. So I think definitely communicating that at a young age would be beneficial just so that confusion of many years of being somebody that I wasn't or being somebody that I didn't want to be, you know, doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the solution that I would recommend when it comes to raising biracial children. Also, side note, thank you so much for being this deep into the podcast. And our code word for this episode is going to be sisters. So if you want, yeah, I know, good one, good one. one. So if you do want to be eligible for our free giveaway, we have one for every episode. Just remember you have to DM us at our Instagram, the code word, and the code word for episode four is sisters. Um, So yeah, that was my solution for when it comes to biracial children. Jocelyn, do you have any comments on that? Wait, do I say my own or do I comment on yours? yeah. What's your solution that you would recommend? Well, I do want to say, me and Jessica have a bit of a different viewpoint on stuff, but I do agree that um, that it's a better idea to start talking about it as a young age. Like, someone, whoever's an artist out there or a writer, just make a children's book about being biracial. That's all we need. <laughs> um, and then we can just mass produce them and give them out to all the little families and, like, read it at bedtime. Um, I feel like that's just, like, it just needs to start younger when you start telling kids like you are biracial not everyone accepts that but it's what you are and it's good it's all right um and then also I think but I do think that um my bigger answer for what the solution is and I think if I were on any of these podcasts at any time my solution is always that it's love and so that I think all the experiences that we had were Um, experiences where there is a void of love and so if that was um, I'd say it's from others and then we adopted it from others ourselves and then started having these like conflicting ideas of our own like persona and so I think that the lack of love in the world is what makes people who are biracial or any race in any case um, just anyone who's not physically similar I think well actually no okay anybody who has a physical body is going to be (laughs) hurt by the world because the world doesn't have love because people will not love you because you're different from them because you're something they've never seen and they also won't love you if you're like them because maybe they have a hatred for themselves too and they'll project that onto you so I think the 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 lack of love is the problem and it's right there it's the solution is love is to love others um as you love yourself to love others because god loved us first um the solution is to love people 
because you care about them because you want to be selfless you want to look out for them and so um when you're when you're biracial you feel a lack of love from a communities because they don't see you as you belong to them but what should really be happening is that they love you no matter what you look like even if you don't look just like them they should still love you still accept you still say like hey come over here eat our food sit at our table do whatever um and then this other um topic of love i think is even from a biracial person's standpoint is that i should be loving enough to those who love me back but even those who hate me those people who are saying you're biracial no one's ever said this to me but <laughs> you're biracial that's like a crime like people like can't mix races and have babies like that like some people do have that mindset that's never been said to me but I would still love them because they're wrong they are incorrect and something needs to be done I need to be in a state where I'm selfless I forgive them and to love them back and to help them because they need to be corrected and we all need to be corrected in one way or another um because we all are falling short in some way but I think it begins with love is where we can start fixing solutions and making solutions have solutions because <laughs> you can't help somebody if you hate them you only help someone out of love and that's the only way they will be helped and I do want to say it is not going to be by our works that people will come to conclusions of love I think that we can love them as best we can and that is going to sow seeds to lead them in the way to be better um more good more correct (laughs) um but it's really it's gonna be um god that changes their heart you know it's not gonna be it's not my job to save the world because i can't you know that's not my role it is my role to do my part in it and i'd say that's everybody's role is to do their part and that's all we can do yeah love each other you guys Yes. So that concludes this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to our fourth episode, and I hope to see you in the next podcast. Bye.